Hello, everybody, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Prasca, and with me, as always, is... Your other host, Khalid Hussain. How's it going, Khalid? Oh, I'm groovy, Joe. I am great. Actually, I might be overselling it. I'm not groovy, but I am getting over, like, a three-day bug, so... We're recording this on Sunday, so Friday started to feel the tickle on the throat. Everybody knows that, like, I'm about to get sick tickle. Uh, Friday evening, I took it easy. I knew it was going to hit. Saturday, it was horrible. I was crawling around for dear life, didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I eventually, like, did the smart thing and, like, just, like, gave myself a never-ending rotation of, like, uh, like citrus and uh, tea and then in between there somewhere, I managed to order some ramen, which was, I'm so thankful that I actually just bothered to do that. I usually don't, but I got the ramen. Uh, I went out, I got myself the miracle drug that is NyQuil and I'm on day three and I'm on the mend. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm in fighting shape again. You wouldn't believe that I'd written my last will and testament yesterday. <laughs> I also wouldn't believe that you're, you're feeling pretty good based on what you told me before recording uh you sounded pretty miserable so but i'm a dramatic I, I, whiner, I appreciate, I'm a dramatic whiner I, but i'm also a braggart uh, you just have I to appreciate you yeah you step it up for the recording process i appreciate that. exactly don't pay me into one corner as a person joe <laughs> i contain multitudes right right um well i'm sitting here surrounded by boxes because uh, i think i may have mentioned on a previous podcast we are moving our house our houses moving from minneapolis across the river to st paul couple weeks almost ready but uh everything is packed up not everything a lot of stuff is packed up so i'm living in flux and that kind of sucks but yeah i'm dreading it too because then i have to stop being friends with you since i made an oath to never be friends with someone from st paul that's usually that's usually the case from people who live in the twin cities isn't it yeah it's just it's it's a it's a taste thing it's a decorum thing i just I, i don't prefer it i don't prefer to mingle yeah, well, it's been good. It's been good, Khalid. I, I, I had a good time. We had a great run. I can't complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to you. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, <laughs> that being said, um, we uh, we're gonna have to cut the. Uh, I know, Khalid, you've been you've been giving a lot of updates on your meal prepping and your adulting in your life. We're gonna cut that a little short today, so our home and gardening segment might be in a different podcast again, because uh, we actually have a guest today, which I'm very very excited about. We've only had. I think one other guest since we started the show back up again a couple months ago. But uh, joining us today is Felicia Ho, who is a uh, TV and film writer who's done projects with uh, Amazon Studios, Netflix, HBO, uh, and has a lot of uh, cool upcoming projects and has worked on the project we're talking about today specifically as well. So welcome, Felicia. Hi, how's it going? I'm excited to be here. We're so um, excited to have you. Thanks for yeah. joining us. For sure. I first off, I need to know what is the beef between people across the river in Minneapolis and was it St. Paul? <laughs> what's what's Saint the deal Paul, with that? Yeah. The Twin Cities. I don't know. It's kind of made up. It's kind of made up. I don't know. They're just like two major cities who are literally like just It's kind one of major city and one weird city nobody talks about. Don't Okay. okay. Don't don't try to make it seem like they're on even keel, Joe. He's is there some he's kind a, of he's rivalry? A, <laughs> I mean, kind of, kind of. They're very. There's like a very different vibe. Like, so they're so close, but there's a very different vibe. So Minneapolis is kind of more of like. I don't know, for lack of a better word, like, I guess maybe the more hip city. I don't know. I'm going to get yelled at by all, by all my neighbors <laughs> when I move. But like, St. Paul is like qu- more quieter. It's like kind of described as like a big, the, small town. The basic bitch of the two. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, you you hit the nail it, right it, on the head, it, Felicia. It, you did you didn't it, miss a beat with yeah. that. 
it okay. might just be. It might just be. I think 32-year-old me, I guess, at this point, I'm ready for the basic bitch city, I guess. Of the two okay. twins, that's like the kind of like homelier twin that, uh, you know, the, the hot twin Minneapolis will like invite it out for like a double date every once in a while. But in general, everybody knows the deal. <laughs> okay. Um, I see. So it sounds like St. Paul is like the tag along, like, you know, um, little sister who maybe is not invited to all the whatever. So, okay. I got it. I, yeah, I see. You got it. You got it. Yeah. You summed it up. Right. You got the vibe. We got the capital though. That's cool. Oh, okay. Prize, all right. Ask me, but okay. <laughs> I mean, how often do we love hanging out at city hall, but <laughs> you know that it is. Oh yeah. I'm wishing you, know, you the best luck with you know, the I'm there. I'm there every other day. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, cool. I hope uh, well, when yes. I take a trip to Minneapolis, I have a place or St. Paul, I have a place to stay then. But you could stay in St. Paul, but then go to Minneapolis to have fun. Just don't okay. tell anybody you're staying in St. Paul. You should be fine. Yeah, we'll be good. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. Well, Felicia. Being on the podcast, I have a couple uh, new guest questions that I'm going to ask you. Just kind of general monstery stuff, since this is a monster podcast. Are you Are you ready? For sure. So, uh, first question is: What in all in any any corner of pop culture, be like a book, movie, show, or anything like that? What would you say your favorite like monster or creature is? And if it's not the same, what would you consider the scariest for you? Um. Well. Okay. I was thinking about this and i think for me um the most impactful it's not really a monster or creature but if we're talking about just any like in my opinion like i consider the terminator to be a horror film i mean i don't know if that's maybe (laughs) that works works, yeah okay so i would say the terminator is for me probably like the most um insidious monster just because it's like literally traveling through time and um it's an unstoppable force you can't reason with it you can't um outrun it like it is it's coming for you you know so i find that to be the most formidable monster um or just the one that has always like sort of grasped my um imagination and sort of you know taught me about what it means to be terrified of something um in terms of the scariest i would say it's the the creature from I guess you would call it a creature from it follows um, that whole, like, yeah, yeah. That yes. also of a similar ilk to the Terminator, but um, yeah, I would say that that's the scariest for me because I don't know, like it's, it's so metaphorical. It's got all these like meanings. It's so, I don't know. It's just a very suffocating claustrophobic experience of being chased and hunted down by something um, that, you know, whose sort of like visage can be taken upon by any sort of like person that, you know, you don't know. It's just so terrifying. So, yeah. Yeah. And that calm, the, the, the calm relentlessness of it all, like they're not stressed. Like if they get you in right now, if they get you in a day, they're still coming for you. That's so terrifying. Yeah. And there's the, the rules to it are not so clear. It's kind of just, you know, there is no real way to escape. I think it's just that sort of inescapableness, um, especially from like a supernatural or otherworldly force. Like it, it feels so like suffocating, I guess. I I don't like to feel suffocated. And those, both of those, the Terminator and the, it follows creature has that nature to it. I think. Totally. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's a that's a good answer. We did a we actually did an episode on the It Follows monster. It was one of our early ones, so that was that was a fun one to dig into. But it's definitely absolutely terrifying. Yeah, we got to determine yeah. what it is. I think so. I think we've had actually someone else make the case that Terminator is a monster. I think that totally works. Yeah, definitely, definitely yeah. counts. Yeah, we haven't done any robots. We should do robots. Yeah, we did no, Robocop. We did, we did Robocop. You're right. That in, robots in, in the, the episode, name. In the episode that you guys were doing on it follows. Like, what what did you sort of come away? Like, what was the thesis of of that episode? Or just like because I haven't heard it, so would love a, a summary of of that. How did it feel to explore that? Um, I guess from a filmmaking standpoint, it was cool reading up about it. Like the one tidbit that I found was, um, like the dude that, uh, basically tricks the main girl that like starts the whole movie, you know, he has like sex with her, but doesn't tell her that he's possessed or whatever. Uh, when they go to search his house, they see that like, he's actually living in a house that's like specifically designed for him to have like multiple exits to escape. Should the, it follows demon, like get into the house unexpectedly and he can just escape. So for me, at least it was like in the same way as uh, terminator. It's like, Oh, okay. So like you basically have to just become like a survivalist in like the most pragmatic sense. Like you can't just go into a room with one door exiting. Like you have to have like a million backup plans. It's just, it's, it's suffocating. Like you said, and it's just, I, I personally couldn't put that much forethought into every step of my life. That just sounds exhausting. Yeah, I think it's it's that nature of constantly like never feeling calm and and safe or secure. I mean, like it's something that you kind of see in slashers, especially like, but like those are kind of, you know, you kind of understand like why you're being pursued or why there's a killer out there. It's like, you know, the teenagers who get who go to like a cabin in the woods or like, you know, Michael Myers, who's like tracking down his the, you know, the people in his life, like those are all kind of you can explain those, but with both of these, like the Terminator and, and um, it follows, like, it feels like such a sort of um, it's like so tied to the fate and the, the destiny and the sort of chaotic nature of life that you, you just can't like, it feels like no matter what you do or where you go or, or where you run to, there's no way to escape that feeling. And I guess maybe it's just like, maybe it's like a metaphor for the pressures of like, the societal forces that will continue to follow or whatever, you know? So it's just, I think like that all, that's why it speaks so much to me, like um, as creatures and monsters in, in this space, because they're so higher powered, I guess. I mean, in both cases, it's kind of a metaphor for like adulthood, you know, with it follows, it's the more obvious idea of like, you know, having sex and like the uh, responsibilities that come with that. But then even in the original Terminator, uh what's her name uh, is it linda hamilton um yes she's she's like uh a young woman who's like a waitress or whatever but then it's like all of a sudden like she has to like think about the future in a very consequential way that could be like global warming or what have you and even the sequel with like the putting all that pressure on a younger kid who has like even less time than she did to try and like help avert disaster totally yeah it's and it's you know the obvious one which is like the inescapable like you know, um, the future catching up with you, like, you know, thinking about in the eighties, like that's when the sort of like revolution into like more of a digital space was happening. And so like that very obvious, like one-to-one of, you know, like being, um, supplanted by like robotics or artificial intelligence, like that's all there as well. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Yeah. That's a, you guys did a pretty good through line from Terminator to it follows actually. That's a, that's a pretty good thesis in itself. <laughs> um, you I know, like I it. just, I love, or I'm terrified of being chased by men. I think that's what it is. It's just that mm-hmm. overwhelming feeling of living in a patriarchal society. And um, yeah. Anyways, that's, that's neither here nor there though. But you know what? I think now it's, it's gotten me thinking about like doing a thesis on like, you know, the horror of being pursued by faceless, nameless men in modern society from a feminist perspective. Um, I think you're onto something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was, um, I went to school, I was a critical studies major at USC film school. So I think everything that I, I, it's always thinking about like, oh, how would this play in like a, like critical studies thesis paper, you know, it's, it's always like, <laughs> I'm always thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do for fun. Some critical <laughs> studies papers. Exactly. I always think of, I don't know if you guys ever saw like on Twitter, they used to have that like guy in your honors MFA class or something. And it was always these tweets that were like, you know, thinking of the worst, like think piece op ed from like a hipster, you know, like, um, you know, like a wireframe <laughs> yeah. glasses, dude. Like it's, I'm always thinking in terms of that, but it's always about like movies and pop culture and it's political context and historical meaning. Like it's, it's so annoying. I'm sure um, I annoy a lot of my friends with that. <laughs> sometimes it's oh, ironic, think, but sometimes it's extremely I think that makes earnest. you perfect for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, oh, that's, that's yeah, kind of all we do that's here. What we do. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> Love yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, that is actually, it kind of segues into our next question. Um, what, uh, what do you consider to be like on your geek card? Like what is, what are your geeky like fandoms or what do you, what do you think you're geeky about? Um, I've always been really geeky about movies in general. Um, I'm always like, it's, I pretty much go through life basically saying this is like, this meets this. Um, I'm always like, in any scenario or social event or family outing or like date situation, I'm always comparing things to things being like, Oh, this is like, this is like Terminator meets Die Hard, or this is like, you know, and it's, I'm sure that's the most like, because, you know, people aren't always comparing their life experiences to two movies mashed up together, but this is the thing that I geek out on all the time. And I'm always like, even when someone's telling me a story about their life, I'm like, oh, you could turn that into a movie. You can make it, you know, like um, super bad meets, uh, you know, Spring Breakers or something. And it's that's that's what I geek out geek out on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what makes me a good writer is because I'm always thinking of stories in that way. You're thinking in elevator pitches. Always. And I, I feel like that's also, <laughs> it's also like a weakness of just being living in LA for too long and working in the industry for, because I've been out here for like 10 years now. And I think like m- the whole time that I've been out here, I've either been like tangentially involved in filmmaking or like straight up involved in the, especially the business side of it. So um, yeah, that's, I guess that's what I geek out on a, a lot. <laughs> the movie industry. Understandable. You're in the right place for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In in the right place as in LA or in Frankenstein's podcast? Uh LA Joe. <laughs> oh, I felt like both. <laughs> it's both. It's both. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
Felicia, we're gonna we're gonna dig in a little bit to uh, the show Girl in the Woods, which you were uh, a writer on. Um, but I wanted to ask you just a little bit about your um, your career in general before we really dug into that. Are you are you are you able to talk about some of the other projects that you're working on? Um, I can probably vaguely talk about them. Um, they're genre bending. Um, adaptations of graphic novels. So like I just, I was writing on a show for Amazon studios and then I'm in development on a pilot with them right now. And both of them are like live action adaptations of graphic novels. Um, Yeah. So that's, I think that's pretty much all I can say about it, but (laughs) yeah, it's um, I'm very excited about them. I I think like they're, um, they're projects that I really uh, am I like I pinch myself every day, like kind of waking up being like, I can't believe I get to write this, um, this, this show. And I I get to like be the voice of this character. And yeah, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, In terms of like other things that I've worked on, I most recently before this, I was, uh, I wrote on season two of Gremlins, the series for HBO max and I oh. um, wrote the, they, they're redoing the Kung Fu Panda um, movies as an, or they're not redoing it, but they rebooted it into like a TV series for Netflix. And I wrote the holiday special episode that's centered around Chinese New Year. And so I wrote that holiday special like um, ep that's probably going to be premiering next year. And um, that I think that those are the public stuff, the, the stuff that I'm okay to say publicly right now that's so cool thank you i'm also oh i'm also (laughs) developing a feature i'm writing it with this director matthew frost um that's kind of like a it's a slasher horror comedy set in the music industry so i'm also doing that oh wow i'll definitely have to keep your eyes up for that for sure I, yes, that would be that. I mean, uh, like, you know, fingers crossed it, it'll go. Um, of course it's just in development right now. So that means that like financing still needs to be, um, found and we're still like a far, far ways away from that being, um, an actual thing, but it's currently my day to day. Cool. Well, best of luck. Fingers crossed for advancement there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Khalid is definitely more of the, like the kind of the writer LA guy between the two of us. So I was, I'm just kind of curious and maybe Khalid already knows the like similar ideas here, but between like writing like shows like girl in the woods um, or uh, some of these other projects like Kung Fu Panda, like animation to live action, is there like a big difference in like vibe between writing like an animated show versus like a live action series? Um, well, in an animated show, you're definitely not tied to production restrictions. So you can kind of go as big as you want to, you can be a little bit more like, fantastical and, um, you know, where like where you're able to go is just like so much further um, with, you know, um, live action, it's like, not only are you thinking about the minute details, like how exactly am I going to shoot this, but then you also have to think in scale of like, do we have the budget in production to create a new set Mm. piece for this? Or do we, you know, how can we utilize like already built uh, location or like already built set pieces or locations or, you know, casting restrictions while an animated television, like you just don't have that, which is like so much more freeing. Um, And so like, you can get really, you know, like the, the, 
where you can go with animation is just like so much more fun and, um, and all that. But, you know, there is something I think like with my personal opinion on it is like in live action, especially if you get great performances and great actors, like you can convey so much of like the human spirit into live action that you just can't really get with animation or maybe you can, but I think like, you know, that's on the level of like Pixar or, uh, like I think you know it's just more about like a spiritual versus like a literal thing that the two sort of like do not compare in that way but um yeah I think and and with animation I think like um when you're writing it you want to make sure that things are flowing constantly in live action you can kind of have like longer dialogue pieces while in animation, you kind of need like a lot of stuff to happen on each page because you don't just want like two characters talking flatly in a scene because that doesn't play as well in animated um, shows or uh, whatever, like features. Right. Fascinating. So it sounds kind of like live action is there's a little bit more of a box that you're working within, but there's still something special to it. And, and even I guess what you're saying with animation, there's like even some formats that you would need to follow there, too. That's so fascinating. Thank you. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I, it seems like you've kind of carved a little bit of a niche for yourself in like working on shows and things that are like within like the sci-fi horror fantasy genres. Is that sort of what you always saw yourself doing? Um, I think that like, um, it's tough. Cause I, I think like, for me, what got me started was I loved, um, like, comedy television. Like, I grew up watching It's Always Sunny, Arrested Development, uh, Mad TV, SNL. And I always thought that, like, um, comedic performances and, and that, like, that was what I really loved watching. But then I was also, like, really, like, when I was in high school, like, I started getting into, like, um, I watched Blade Runner, Terminator, and Alien all like back to back to back. And I think like that also unlocked something else in me. And then I also started getting really into horror. So when I saw Jennifer's body, that was like a moment that sort of like showed me the possibility of like what you can do in the horror space. Because before, like it had always been, you know, I didn't really like the idea of like, you know, the terrorized women or like, you know, um, the final girl who sort of is just uh you know repeatedly subjected to like torturous scenes and uh, that was just really not what I was into but then when I saw Jennifer's body and it was like all about sort of the complexity of female friendship and using horror as like a way to um convey like really difficult themes and topics I was like oh this is like this is something that I could actually use to convey storytelling in like a way that I never thought of before so I think like after I saw that and and got into horror a little more like that's when I started gearing more towards like genre bending um and like horror spaces um another like really influential movie for me was Shaun of the Dead um especially oh and Cabin in the Woods so like any sort of horror comedy that was like a mashup of both and I would say that like um as a writer like what I really gravitate towards is horror comedy in um horror comedy genre bending uh and also like um strong female protagonists which again what does strong female protagonists mean um i'm not really sure because like strength comes in so many different forms um but like you know just sort of like you know uh i guess like the perspective of like a modern female protagonist in um facing you know 
society's horrors, <laughs> I guess is, yeah, like kind of where I like to live in right now. Awesome. Yeah, you just you name dropped a ton of our favorite things. I think we've done a, a couple of those movies on the podcast also, too. I think yeah. I just saw Cabin in the Woods last week. <laughs> was that your first time watching it, Khalid? No, no, I've seen it a bunch, oh, I but <laughs> I just, I don't know, something made me want to watch it again, and it's, it holds up. It's great. Yeah. Hey, great I movie. listened to your guys' um, Shaun of the Dead um, episode, and I really enjoyed that. That was cool. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I legit forgot we did a Shaun of the Dead episode. <laughs> That was your idea too. Was it? Sounds like I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, good, good, good on me then. That was a great suggestion. Yeah, good job, Khalid. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Th- um, one last question I have for you before we dig into Girl in the Woods is there? Uh, do you have like any goals of like any big like franchise you ever want to dip into? Like a lot of the projects. I mean, I guess Kung Fu Panda is kind of a like I guess a franchise in a sense now. But any like major like like MCU or Star Wars, Star Trek kind of thing like that? Um, You know, I've, it's tough because on one hand, I feel like I have um, my sensibility is more towards like indies and art house. Um, yeah. I, I don't even want to say like a 24 movies because that is, it feels so like pretentious and presumptuous about like, you know, the delineation of like, Oh, like what's a, what's like a, you know, production company like if that's a production company you know like they're trying to sell their movies or they're trying to sell a certain tone uh or quality but i think like for me like i've always i i prefer to do like independent contained stories um that but you know and the thing is like if marvel or star wars came knocking like i I'm, i wouldn't turn them down you know what i mean like i'm sure everybody yeah. has the goal to like be a writer for one of those um uh, companies because they're like, you know, star making vehicles, um, not just for like, you know, actors, but like directors, writers, etc. But um, in terms of like my goals as a creative, like I think I would want to eventually like direct and direct a feature that I wrote. And uh, that would be, you know, that to me, that would be like my, my overall sort of career goal. Not really, I don't know, like franchise wise, I think like, I mean, maybe like writing something for like Felicia Hardy from um, Spider-Man because we share the same name oh. <laughs> or perhaps <laughs> Felicia, Felicia, the dark, the dark character in street fighter or something. Capcom versus Ooh. street fighter. <laughs> also because so just we share uh, Felicia. <laughs> yeah. 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 That would be cool. Okay. I would like to be the, the, the uh, voice of all Felicia's across the world really just take back the name that's been sort of dragged through the mud in the last whatever decade, two decades. Oh my God. Yeah. The amount of people <laughs> oh, yeah. that have said bye to you in a disparaging way must be so annoying. Exactly. I mean, there's just, I still like, I've been getting it for no lie, like 10 years of my life now. And I feel like I still just don't even have the right reaction or like, you know, because it's just like, yeah, it's my name. I, I don't know. It's to me, it's very normal, but to everyone else, it's like really funny. But you know, oh, I, whatever. They, <laughs> I haven't had a normal life since DJ Khaled hit the scene. Mm. Like as soon as, as soon as his career started, it it immediately became an icebreaker for anybody who just met me and found out my name. Well, it's, so I, and yeah. also there's that artist Khalid. So it's like you, you yeah, get it on both sides. Yeah, that didn't help things either. Yeah, it's just <laughs> at this point, I am like the third or fourth most significant Khalid in most people's lives, and it shows. 
But at least it's kind of good though, because you know, this way people don't mispronounce your name. Um, you oh, know, they still, they still do. They still find a way. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, tough. It's, it's, it's okay though. It's okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> used to it. I we I, I had the substitute teachers that butchered names. I, I I I'm used to it by now. Um, yeah, that's, for me, it was, like, throughout grade school, I got it on, well, not for the first, like, 15 years of my life, but, you know, my last name is Ho, so, like, PE was really hard for me, because the PE teachers would call me by my last name, and everybody would get a good laugh out of that, so, I've been the punchline for most of my life, and that's perfectly fine with me, I live very well in that space. (laughs) Kids can be cruel. So true. true. Joe, anything Absolutely to add true. to that? I, or has, has life been very easy for uh, you name-wise? <laughs> most, most people can say Joe pretty well. I used to have this, <laughs> you know, most people can, yeah. Uh, I, I will say I used to have this aversion to Sloppy Joes as a kid because it bothered me that I shared the name with Sloppy Joes. And oh. now as an adult, I really like Sloppy Joe, so I, I, I guess I was just missing out. Yeah, you just robbed yourself of like a creature comfort just because it happened to share a name with you? Pretty much, I guess. Like but I still that's, listen that's... to to DJ Khaled. I didn't like. I didn't blame. I didn't blame him for other people's just, ignorance. Yeah. 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 Joe, I is a lesson very, I had to learn in my life. Are you a very neat person, Joe? Uh I would say I try to be. Okay. What's your? I'm curious. Yeah. What are your star signs? My star signs, Pisces. Oh, okay. Yeah. Khalid? yeah what are you, Khalid? Sagittarius, baby. Oh, okay. All right. And, and how about you? I'm a Virgo. I feel my like my wife's a Virgo. I'm sorry. My wife's a Virgo too. Our uh, also frequent guest of the podcast, Nicole. Oh okay. yes, yeah. Pisces and Virgos are historically um, a good romantic match. Uh, That's what I hear. Yes, and then um, I myself am currently dating a Sagittarius. And my ah, ex-husband was a Sagittarius. Oh. So I don't know. It's a toss up. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything about like Pisces and Sagittarius being good podcast hosts? Like, is that a thing? You know, I don't think the ancient texts have said anything about podcast hosting specifically, but I'm sure that um, Pisces and Sagittarii are, they, they, there's something linking the two. I think. Well, Pisces is a water sign and a Sagittarius is a fire. So maybe it's like, that's like good sort of like tit for tat point counterpoint. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah me, I think we, we're making a case for that, Khalid. Yeah. We, we stay titting and tatting. I, I can, I can <laughs> we do for that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, sh- <laughs> sorry sorry i'm just cool. thinking of titten and tatten <laughs> it's, what, it's what we do <laughs> yeah. rename the podcast <laughs> tit for tat. i was just thinking that that's, a, that's a great late, that's a great name that's a great name <laughs> yeah oh no <laughs> all right khalid do you have um a synopsis for us to dig into girl in the woods with i do it's from our homeboy google um <clears throat> Goes a little something like this. Uh, we are talking about the 2021 series Girl in the Woods. Uh, and the synopsis goes like this. 
Carrie Ecker escapes from her cult-like colony in the woods, dead set on building a new life in the sleepy mining town of West Pine Ore. Oh, is that Oregon? That's <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> but when dangerous figures from her past hunt her down, she embraces the role she left behind, that of a monster killer trained to protect the world from unthinkable horrors that live behind a secret door in the woods. Based on a two sh- based on two short films, the series also touches on contemporary social issues like discrimination, the human cost of environmentalism, and the consequences of inequality. Done. What a monster! They're creatures of the abstract level of potential energy. It's alive! And there's actually a really good synopsis. Like that some of the ones really we read are like a sentence. Yeah, yeah who the, wrote the, that? The breach one. The breach one is like Bruce Willis is in it, and then it, and then it, <laughs> yeah. and then they just added like a shrug emoji. Like that might as well be what it was. <laughs> this was, I mean, this was a really good one. I mean, it's fitting. It's a good show. Yeah, no, it's really good. Uh, whoever yeah. whoever did the Google synopsis for this loves the show. Wow. Yep. <laughs> uh, Felicia, what what uh, how, what brought you to this? Because you're so you're a writer in this show, and how how many of the did you write? How many of the episodes did you work on? Um. So I have like i guess like solo script credit for episode five um but i was so the process of this writer's room was kind of interesting and different than most writer's rooms it was basically me and the um the showrunner uh we worked on all i forget if it's seven or eight episodes all of the episodes together Um, she had come into the writer's room with a synopsis or like a brief sort of like plot, um, for each episode prior to us starting working together. But then, um, like as we were sort of breaking each episode, we, we broke each episode and I also helped to rewrite, um, the prior four episodes. So we were working on those. Um, we, so it was, it was so it was so interesting a process because we wrote for 10 weeks on eight episodes between the two of us. So it was like a very like quick process. Um, but I have solo credit for one episode, which is episode five. And I have a teleplay credit, not writing credit. Okay. Okay. Um, how did you feel about how the show turned out? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you watched it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of it. I thought all of the performers did an incredible job. I thought um, I thought Will Young Lee was absolutely amazing as um, Arthur. And I thought the teens were incredible, um, incredibly cast. And they did such a brilliant job of bringing these characters to life. Um, I thought all of it just looked incredible and amazing. And, uh, you know, it's just like a a great experience and seeing it come to life, like on Peacock, it was like, wow, this is, it's, it's, you know, more than I could have ever imagined. It was brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. I actually wrote in my notes when I was watching the show that uh, William Lease really stood out to me as that character, like kind of brought this like interesting touch of humanity to the character that I feel like you know, in different hands, very well could have been just kind of like, you know, a villain character, but he made him just, just brought depth to it with this presence, really. Yeah. And I think this is like something that we talked about a lot in the writer's room, which I guess, you know, this 
when I say writer's room, I just mean me and the other writer. Like <laughs> the two of you. <laughs> yeah, like we, we talked a lot about how we didn't want like the villains to come off as very arch or one-sided or one-dimensional. Like we wanted to give them depth. And so when I was writing my episode, I really took care to like make it so that, you know, both like you could see, you could understand both, both, um, Carrie and Arthur's relationship and where a lot of that sort of like, um, you know, the, the, the opposition to one another in that episode comes from a lot of like love. And, uh, for me, like, that's a very, uh, it's an episode that's very close to me, close to my heart, because as I was writing it, like, um, I was imagining like, uh, it took me back to like, when I was, uh, like I'd been married for seven years of my life prior to that point. So when I got divorced, like, you know, you, you have so much history with this person that you shared a life with. And we were, we had been together for nine years. So you had so much that you share with this person, but on one hand, it's like, you know, you have to go and separate and go your, you know, your different ways and paths in life. And so for me, like writing that episode, I, I put a lot of, you know, what I learned from that, journey that I'd been on and sort of like the love that's really, you know, that's sort of seeded into both people, but like when you guys are in opposition to one another and, and how that sort of like love can turn into anger and hatred and resentment so quickly. Um, that was just uh, like, to me, that's why I'm really proud of like the work that I did on that episode <laughs> because like there's a lot of that um, I think that you can feel in the relationship between the two characters. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool to hear. I mean, that's so interesting to hear. Like it's, I, I, I would, I would say that it comes off. Like, I think that the, the scenes between the two characters, especially that confrontation when they're in the, the, uh, the RV mm-hmm. um, was it's, it's palpable. It's really, it's really well done. And, and, you know, seeing the flashbacks kind of like throughout the series as it, as it really like builds their relationships and shows us like the the closeness that they really do have for each other. Like, yeah, it did, it, it did come off really powerful. And so yeah, kudos. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Khalid, I, I bring you in here. What were your uh, thoughts on the show? And I think you watched it uh, a little, did you not too long ago, right? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I've, I finished the whole series a couple of weeks ago. I watched it like, over a matter of like two, three weeks. Uh, I really enjoyed it by the way. Well done to you and the team. Uh, this is a great show. It was real fun, real fun to watch. I love the, I love the, the YA like monster genre. That's a, that's right up my alley. Um, so I think, uh, uh, just speaking to, uh, the William Lee character and just like, um, Carrie's entire cult that that whole part really stuck out to me as uh somebody who grew up in like uh Ethiopian like Muslim refugee community in Minneapolis like just that whole, whole feeling of like you're in society but you're not in society like it's like mm. heavily in, heavily encouraged to like just because you're here doesn't mean you should participate which is like a very jarring thing for like a child of immigrants to like process at that young age you want to just like why wouldn't you want to be a part of the culture that you're like spend 99 percent of your day in so uh i really thought it was like an interesting uh like just through that lens watching carrie kind of like bristle against that and want something that she shouldn't feel guilty for wanting but they definitely make her feel like she should be guilty totally yeah um i completely 100 percent agree with that i mean i 
talking about like being a part of the culture, but not really like I'm, you know, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area and my parents are both Taiwanese immigrants. And so there's also definitely elements of that where growing up, it's like, you kind of feel like you're invisible in a lot of ways and you're kind of observing, um, you know, people like for me, the reason why I love movies so much and, and why I grew up just really wanting to like be in entertainment was because, um, like I didn't, I was an only child, like I still am an only child, but growing up, like I, especially like being, um, in a kid of immigrant parents, like I totally didn't understand like how other people functioned in society, especially like, you know, Americans and, and not really getting, you know, why it was that I'm occupying the same space, but not really like in the conversation or like feeling like a part of the community. And so for me, like watching movies, allowed me like insight into understanding like human interaction and even in some ways like teaching me the language of how to you know speak to people and and just you know the literal language like words and so um yeah I think all of that it's just it it really feeds into each other and I think it like that's why to me like movies and tv are so important to I don't know just like shaping young minds and, and uh like forming the culture and and all that oh totally yeah tv was definitely a big teacher for me as a kid too i definitely cut a th- cut a lot of corners just ba- just by being able to like turn on the tv and like understand things that otherwise would just be like foreign to me totally yeah um yeah so outside of that i really like the um the the relationship between uh tasha carrie and nolan um it was a very like it was endearing overall is the word i guess i would use but like it's definitely like one of those things where like all three of them like there's like a sexual component to it but also just like very much like they're all in one way or another leaning heavily on each other in a way that i felt was very real to like teenage relationships is there can you speak to that at all um yeah i mean i guess a lot of that, well, I guess, you know, I suppose there, it, you know, I, well, I, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I was like trying to, <laughs> I, was trying to I, like, guess think about, I, I guess I didn't really, I didn't really ask a question so much as I <laughs> comment on it, but uh, I guess if I, uh, to phrase it as a question, uh, like, what kind of thought went into uh, like creating that dynamic between the three of them where uh, it's like, uh, especially between Nolan and, uh, is it Sasha? Sorry, Tasha? Tasha. Tasha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that relationship is like very complex and not really something that like I've, I've seen tackled as much, especially with like kids that age. And I think it's important to, to tackle that relationship. The, um, I guess like, uh, the way that like Nolan almost like at the beginning of the series is like resentful of her, uh, oh, yeah. like trying to trying to make him more of like a masculine partner and, and like the pressures of that versus like when Carrie enters the picture and then that attraction with Tasha and like all the complicated feelings there, I guess I'm just asking like, how did, how did breaking that relationship out over the season, like play out for you guys? Like, were there any like real considerations to the like overall plot or was it just like right? What felt right to these three? Um, I think that's like probably something that, um, the other writer Casey could probably speak more to, I think because for her, like this, she really wanted to tell the story of like, um, you know, 
coming into like a teenager's sexuality and the experiences of a non-binary person um, having to sort of understand their place in, um, I guess, like a binary world and sort of the expectations placed on individuals. And yeah, I think like that, I I don't, because I don't want to like talk about it, especially because I'm not personally, like I'm not, I'm not like, I don't have experiences in that uh, world or space. So I don't necessarily feel like totally comfortable talking about it because I feel like it wouldn't be like true to the characters. But a lot of that came from, um, from Casey and and her sort of like experience with um, that side of things. Sorry, I couldn't be of more help, but yeah, like I didn't, to oh, me, that no, was no like, worries. yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's okay. It's just, it's, um, it's just such a, cool part of the series in general like i wrote down too while watching it that the way that sexuality and identity played a big role like within the the kind of the main three was was really cool to see like i i i think both Cleed and i find like ya like genre genre stuff like this in our wheelhouse too and i feel like this this kind of blazed its own trail within that genre in in a lot of regards and in that especially i think that um their journeys through that was was so uh kind of cool to watch i think that one scene that really stands out to me is when uh the nolan character when the nolan character comes out to their father as non-binary yes and the father character like it just it just really perfectly illustrates this like short-sightedness of somebody who like kind of considered themselves to be like open-minded and maybe progressive but really is not quite there you know like because the dad's like you know, whatever, just, 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 just fake it to, through high school, you know, and, and is not, and oh, yeah. thinks he's being helpful. So it was just a really cool uh, depiction of that where the father wasn't this like ultimate, like evil per se, or this like imposing, like bad figure, but like was doing the wrong thing. Well, doesn't he um, even say yeah. like, I, I, I wish you were just gay or something easier he, to like, he does. Yeah. And then he like makes a joke about, Oh, there's all these genders now, that kind of thing. It was, so it was like, it was, this, it, it was a very well done scene, but yeah, it was, it was tough to watch though too, you know? Yeah. Whoa, like ugh, such a devastating thing to hear. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Casey but- and I rewrote that scene like a, a bunch of times because we definitely wanted to like get it right. And also not make it seem like, like, we wanted um, Nolan's father to be almost feel like they were being helpful, but also just like totally not getting it. So yes, yeah, that was yes. like, you know, a very important scene to have in the episode. And I feel like it comes, it comes through, you know, I'm sure a lot of um, people who have had similar experiences probably can see a lot of, you know, that sort of like, like the parenting of wanting to to say the right thing but not knowing and then making it worse and and all of that so yeah 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 it just felt like a really real scene (laughs) that's great (laughs) i'm so glad (laughs) (laughs) um i feel like uh so you mentioned khalid in the synopsis that this was based on two short films um Khalid, have you seen the short films? Uh, I have not. Are they available online? They're Crypt TV, who, who did the Birch, which we talked about in another episode. Oh, okay. Well, I got to check it yeah. out now. Yeah. Um, I was just reading that uh, in one of the short films, uh, Cal Penn stares at, stars as the Arthur character. Ooh, I love Cal Penn. Yeah, that's kind of a fun cast. Who doesn't yeah, love that guy? I've, I've, I've yeah. seen that short once, and I think he did a really great job in it. But yeah, it's a I think everything Crypt TV does is 
pretty cool. Like they're really breaking boundaries in that way and um, pretty awesome. Yeah, they're absolutely right up our alley. Like I, all their weird monster stuff is just is so much fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see more stuff that they're able to put out. Like seeing them actually kind of branching into like full on series rather than just the short films has, has been cool to see. Totally. Yeah, I saw. So on this, um, one of the names attached to the show is Kristen Ritter, too, who directed first four episodes, I believe. Oh, yeah, I love her. That's so cool. Did you get to interact with her much? I didn't because COVID um, we wrote these yeah. episodes like at the beginning of 2021. And so there, there was still just like a lot of, you know, um, things up in the air about just like we, you know, what the processes and safety protocols were. So I unfortunately did not, but um, Jacob Chase, who directed my episode i did get to interact with him a little bit and he was really cool and awesome but yeah the whole thing i was just like this is a dream team of creatives surrounding this whole like project i was like really impressed by everything that they all did um i thought it was great yeah that's awesome yeah it's 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 such a cool unique show i feel like in the in a you know, I mean, like, like we mentioned earlier, there's so many like big franchises out there. So it's cool to see something like this. That's just kind of its own thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have um, uh, given it thought without obviously telling us much, but like season two, I'm sure you guys have like tossed around a few ideas. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue if, if that's on the horizon or anything. So don't know <laughs> your guess is as good as mine gosh the ending i hope so yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah well we talked about it briefly like in the writer's room but um when we were writing the first season but i i don't think like you know so much of that gets tossed out or you know all that so not not really uh oh well, that's yeah. interesting well, yeah fingers crossed though i hope hope we'll see something totally me too um so the next kind of part of the podcast, we after we talk about the show a little bit, we kind of dig into the monsters because that's sort of our our wheelhouse really here. But uh, the monsters in question in this show, there are there are there are a couple of them, but I think it kind of boils down to the overarching like envelope of monsters are called the Blood Herd of Gehenna. Yes. Um. And yeah, they were they were cool. There's I like that we see. I feel like we see like three kind of distinct creatures and i did a little bit of research into this and and felicia you probably know way more than i do but i found that there's so there's the hypnotist who's we see in the beginning played by i think is mark steger and there's the brute and the echo am i right yes correct yes and so it was it's kind of cool because the hypnotist is the one who's sort of plaguing the town at first in the first like half of the show and then then things just kind of start to go even more to hell. And that's when we start to see the brute and the echo. Um, And I I think I have actors names. The brute is played by Douglas Tate and the echo is played by uh, Marina Mazepa, who's a contortionist who's also worked on the movement I saw. Ooh. Yeah. That was cool to see. I mean, she was, I would say the echo, the echo one was, was the, the scariest for me. The one like where she's kind of like haunting Tasha throughout that episode, like just, just the, uh, the sounds and you're like, what does that sound? And then you can only see her in the mirror was truly frightening. That was a great sequence of, of just like horror in general. Totally. Yeah. 
she's she's I mean she did such an incredible job um I was like all of that was so scary it was so scary to write that it was you know um all of these monsters also were like Casey's ideas so like she came in with it and she like knew exactly what she wanted and it was mostly just about like you know fitting them into the story and giving them scenes that would be like super scary so I thought like you know, all, all of those monsters were just like, you know, the brainchild of, of Casey's. And, um, I thought they were incredibly well done. I know that the, um, the creatures, the creature design was like done by the people who I believe did the stranger things creatures. So like it was oh, the same special effects and everything. So like when we were writing the episodes, we were also getting like the, um, the rough illustrations of what those creatures were going to look like. So it was like, you know, we got to like, very rarely do you get to see that as you're writing it. And so having that while we were writing the episodes was super um, just like a, an amazing experience to have. It was, it was like very, yeah, it was super fulfilling. And I thought the monsters came across really creepy in the show. So when you don't have like uh, preliminary sketches and stuff like that, is it just like you just know that they have like sharp teeth or how does that how does that work? Like, is there like a unified idea that the writers have to come up with, even if they don't have like a picture to reference? Yeah, like generally there will be sort of like rough, not not literal rough sketches, but just like you'll talk roughly about the shape of like what the monster's capabilities are but obviously like you know it just depends i think on the communication between the departments like if you have um if you already have your department set up it's like you can communicate with them about like what you can and can't do like you know going back to what we were talking about live action versus animation um Mm -hmm. with animation you kind of are more able to specify like what the monster is going to look like or like what the what like that has to be sort of like written out in the script but then um with production it's more like this is what we can get this is what we can't and you're sort of like more tied to the um the restrictions of like what production has the budget for or what they're able to do um so i feel like with live action, you can be a little more vague with the monsters and in animation, like you want to be a little more specific. Wow. Hmm. Very interesting. I found a, I found a really cool uh, interview with some of the, the VFX creature design people on the show. Um, Excuse me. Did, um, did you guys have, I mean, other than seeing sketches, did you interact with, I mean, I guess COVID, but didn't really get a chance to interact with a lot of those guys too much. Um, I, didn't because I wasn't like, I'm, I was more just like writing. So that was, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. yeah, So it was like more the showrunners, uh, responsibility to do. And I was just like, right. Yeah. I I was just (laughs) responsible for scripts. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of a separate area, I suppose. Um, interesting things I, I found in the, the interview though, I thought was cool. Just kind of being a monster lovers and ourselves is they talk about how they wanted to make sure there's like a theme in the creature design that the viewer could kind of all gather that they all come from the same place. Like this Gehenna, there's like a, like a vibe that sort of connects them. And you can kind of see that even though they all have sort of like distinct, uh, like traits about them. Yeah. And I thought it was also interesting. Um, one of the, I think spectral was one of the companies that worked on there and they said, uh, they wanted to, 
he's a quote he said he wanted to keep uh kevin mcturk of spectral is is the person in this interview he said he want we wanted to make these creatures terrifying one thing we noticed on all of our projects was having a creature with no eyes and just a gaping mouth with teeth is always terrifying (laughs) so we definitely took advantage of that with the brute and the echo characters (laughs) yeah totally yeah that's all of that is is so true and i think like it was also if i remember correctly that came from Casey as a result of like, you know, in Gehenna, it's this like, you know, it's the underworld, it's hell, it's like very dark. And so the idea of like, you know, you see those fishes that are down in like the Mariana Trench or whatever, and they have like no eyes, but like giant teeth, um, like a huge like mm-hmm. mouth with like whatever piranha sized teeth or I don't know, but like that sort of like one-to-one um, design aspect. It was like, kind of i guess like where a lot of that is taken from actually makes a lot of sense yeah Yeah, i thought that was gehenna is supposed to be like super dark right yeah like there's no light permeating it at all um yeah so that's pretty much where that comes from i believe i also love that it's all pretty much other than i think maybe the tongue that we saw from the hypnotist it's all pretty much practical effects like it was all yeah uh, like suits and and uh molds and clay than and sculpted suits that were that people wore it's really cool to see totally i i 100 love that too like that's so much more interesting to me than like green screened or cgi um stuff yeah do you guys of the of the main three monsters you guys have a favorite um uh. To me, the scariest monster is the dad. (laughs) 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 That's, I mean, that's the, the true horror in my opinion is, is that, and also like the, the sort of like, um, like the blind sort of following that the cult has towards, you know, authority. That's to me, the scariest. You guys got like, great casting with that dude he's got like he's really oh good at like God. just playing like like a dead-eyed sociopath like totally. you can tell it doesn't it don't matter if it's his daughter or anybody like you could get it if you're against him yeah a hundred percent seeing his audition uh, tape come in was it was so chilling um because we had we wrote like sides for the character and so like having him he really like brought that character to life like we started writing towards him um after we saw him play it like that that was he was like incredible yeah he's definitely like uh he's he's one of those guys in in Mm -hmm. in the industry like you see him in everything and he's always like just reliable as uh, like when you bring him in like he just knows the assignment he gets it (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh i guess for me the scariest monster uh I'll agree. The dad is definitely the scariest uh, <laughs> conceptual conceptually, but like in a, in a more like immediate, if I open the closet, like what would freak me out the most kind of way? Probably the brute. The big yeah. one. Yeah. That the big, the big one. He, he, he really, he really scares me. Yeah. Agreed. I see that. Yeah. Agreed. I, I feel like I'd have to go with, I'd have to go with the echo for me. I think. That one is, yeah, that's terrifying too. Like, I think that's just, goes back to the whole like not knowing where it is or like where it's coming from um the yeah to me that's also like a terrifying thought 
See, yeah, I have I have no situ- I have no situational awareness. So if it's like being that sneaky and like hiding in reflections and stuff, <laughs> I'm good. I'm never gonna see it coming anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think I grew up too much with horror films, so I'm always like looking in the corners of mirrors. So I would probably that that's why that would get me. You're you're just primed for for certain doom. I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's like if you uh, already know your role in a horror movie like if you're gonna be the first to go then sure like the echo you know least amount of pain least amount of like you know the dreaded feeling of being chased by something yeah i'd pick that too but i guess like if you have um on some level like some belief that you're gonna make it out of there i feel like the brute would be the easiest to outrun perhaps um yeah to me Probably the least scary is the hypnotist only because I'm like, if I saw that fucker in the woods, I'd bolt, you know, like there'd be no way he'd get me close enough to like be under his spell. So I could outrun that thing quick. Yeah. If you're wearing a robe in the woods, it's a wrap. Like, I don't need to know anything else. Yeah. Red flags. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he's the, yeah, he's the one with the gold mask that we see and his, and his way of like kind of attracting victims is like, I mean, hypnotizes them, but they basically gives makes them see what they want, people, people what they want, and just brings them to his little nook to, I think, eat them. Right? Does he eat them? Yeah, like he's basically like draining their life force. Like I think he's like um, sustained yeah. by blood. And you know, honestly, like probably if if I had to say the the one that I would choose to like go toe to toe with, it would be the hypnotist because that sounds like actually like a pretty serene way to go, like to be shown. Right. I was just thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a drug addiction in a way. Like if you're like severely, you know, like people who kill themselves with like, you know, opioids or heroin, um, yeah. which I have a lot of sympathy for. I'm just saying like, I could totally understand like, you know, like that level of be like going away, but also being like incredibly in this like s- state of serenity and bliss and euphoria. Like, yeah, I would, you know, I sign me up. I'm there. Yeah, if you had to choose, yeah, between those, that's that's probably the best way. Totally. Depending on how quickly the mirror one kills people, I'm going to go with that. I'd rather die in ignorance than bliss. <laughs> that would be a really hardcore death. Like, I, I would, yeah, I would, you know, if I wanted to, like, because, you know, like, uh, what is it, in episode four, when they open it up, op- open up the bathroom and it, like, spoons is... um. I oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I really wanted the, the his his neighborhood boys to have like airbrush spoons shirts, you know? Yeah, like that would have been such spoons. a great like R.I.P. spoons, like the airbrushed, um, like oh, you know that in loving memory of spoons. <laughs> exactly. Like I I know they've gone out of fashion, but they need to come back. That's just a great like. Yeah. That's a great tribute. Joe, if, if a monster ever takes me out, I want to be airbrushed. I will remember that. Well, it's recorded, so now I always remember it. Please, please. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to have um, to die to wait for an airbrush sweater. I think I'm just going to go make them. I'm going to go down to the You're just going to make memorial airbrush shirts yeah. for yourself? <laughs> That's a flex. That's a flex, Felicia. You know, I respect that. That's kind of like, you know, it's like why I I was like watching um, Sex and the City again recently and um, Samantha, the like, you know, the character who's kind of like the um, perpetual like 
you know, um, I guess you would call her the, um, what is it? Oh my God. What's that guy's name in entourage? Not uh, toad turtle turtle turtle. Yeah. I or not. No, she's not the turtle of entourage. She's the, the other one, the brother. Uh, drama. Uh, drama kind of yeah she's or just like she's just perpetually like having sex with people anyways like she oh that's vince that's the main guy yeah oh vince okay well yeah, anyways, yeah, 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 yeah. Wh- whomever she is in in the show she's like <laughs> she was like upset that she would never have like she was basically sort of like spiteful of the fact that she would never have like um a uh baby shower so she was like i'm not gonna throw a baby shower i'm gonna throw a party for myself for not having a kid it would be like that but like to make those sweaters of in loving memory uh and then you know actually that would be a great like party favor for like a uh a birthday party for like turning 30 like in in memory of your 20s and then just have like pictures where you look really hot in your 20s airbrushed on a sweater I think I'm gonna do that. Ooh, do it, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> there need to be more like birthday parties that are funeral themed because, like, that's when all the nice stuff gets said about you. You know, yeah. So, like, totally. You should get to go to at least one of your funerals. I, I, I will hope that for you. I wish that for you. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, I'd invite you both. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I will RSVP. Yes. <laughs> Same. Already RSVPing. Yes. <laughs> dope <laughs> um speaking of funerals Khalid. oh lordy oh my god uh, i don't think that i don't think that bears hold funerals but maybe perhaps they do anyway that was a segue to the four bears test you can't just say something's a segue like it either is or it isn't you don't <laughs> it it absolutely was it... <laughs> okay it worked. well okay. Uh... i liked it you know, all right, Thank you. Felicia, Thank you. I will uh, allow you to give him the rescue on this one. He so rarely gets it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the four bears test, uh, if this is your time listening to this, is basically a little thought experiment of like, what if you replace the monster we're talking about with four bears? Does the story more <laughs> or less stay the same? Does it change? Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Four bears. Uh, I guess let's go. I, for me, it's. It depends, right? Because like we've got the three monsters we're talking about. So for two of them, I don't think bears can hypnotize you. Thank God. So <laughs> that, that's a straight up. I don't think we don't think so. I don't think so. Like that's true. That's true. Like how would you know? <laughs> how would you know if bears can hypnotize or not? You're dead already if they get you. Um, right. I don't think that they can hide in like pocket dimensions that you only see in reflections. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but but the brute, I think that's the closest thing we've got to something that's like equal to about four ish bears. But that's I don't know what do you, what would you say, Felicia? I feel like that that thing is like tantamount to like a bear and a half strength wise. You know, I feel like you say, f- yeah. I mean, I think honestly, maybe to the people of that city, um, actually, um, like f- changing the monsters to four bears would make more sense than having demons from hell appear with the sudden appearance of like a mysterious cult girl, you know? So to the characters in the story in the town, four bears actually makes it make more sense, but to, they're probably very (laughs) equipped for four bears. If exactly that's that regionally speaking, four bears is not a threat to them. If anything, that's just like a Nate, like a a daily occurrence. Yeah. Four bears would have actually solved a lot of the, um, 
problems, plot holes, and and all of that probably in in a lot of the townspeople's minds. But um, from a viewership level, can you imagine if in the writers' room I was just like, oh, what if instead we just you know change them to four bears? Actually, that that ties up a lot of the questions that everybody would have. Like, <laughs> it, it would be like an answer. Like, in order to sort of like tell all the townspeople. You know, like nothing, you know, there is no door to Gehenna. This is all just a figment of your imagination. It was four bears this whole time. It's just bears. It's just bears. <laughs> just bears. Well, you know, play. you said you said there's nothing lined up for a potential season two. So you, you got something. You got something in the back pocket now. I'm letting you have that one. That's hilarious. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> you, can bring, you can bring four bears into the writer's room anytime, too. You can have it. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, I think I think in regards to this uh, series, uh, the the story just doesn't happen the same way if it's four bears. It's it's way too much magic shenanigans. Although I do like the idea of like a cult on the outside of town that's like just training their kids to kill four bears. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like every, every day since birth, they've just been preparing to like fight four bears and four bears only. That's cool to me. The rare occurrence when four bears are together. Yeah. yeah. Although. And the other way to think about it is, is the threat of the three demons at once equal to four bears, which at that point, I think the three demons actually like weigh, like outweigh the threat ultimately. Could the demons fight the four bears? Could they take on those four bears? I actually don't know. <laughs> yeah. Can you hypnotize a bear? That's going to heavily influence my answer. Yeah. I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think they would be taken out by the four bears for sure. Yeah, huh. fair enough. It's especially <laughs> if the bears also have the ability to hypnotize, which we have not been able to definitively say one way or another if they can. Yeah. True. Like, what do you hypnotize them with? Like pieces of salmon? I don't know. Like that to me, it just doesn't. I, I, I think they could take them for sure. All right. You heard it here from the writer. The four bears win in a fight against those demons. It's, it's official. Yeah. It's still technically a fail as far as the, what the four bears test is, but at least we know for sure four bears could kick those demons butts. I'm curious. How often do the four bears, this test, like how often do the four bears win? Um, I have to really take liberties with like what the bears can do in any given situation, but I would say okay. it's like 30, 70 at this point. What do you think, Joe? Um, I, I mean, I feel like we've been going on, we've been doing a string of monsters that really don't pass the four best four bears test for a while, but, mm-hmm. um, the more, yeah, the more nuanced think, a bear, or, uh, not a bear, a monster the bear, is, the, bear. <laughs> the more nuanced a monster is, the harder it gets to like, uh, to, to say that four bears could replace it. Basically anytime yeah. like the monster has like uh, intelligence, uh, it's, it's a kind of a done deal. Or if it's like a Kaiju, it's a done deal. But especially any of those, uh, like, uh, the ones that possess people, we've done a few of those recently. And so like that, that's just, just incompatible. Exactly. Uh, like if, if, if the whole thing that the monster is doing is like using people to sneak by or hide in plain sight, like a bear can't wear a human as a suit, you know, that's just an automatic fail. Yeah. I see. It doesn't work. Um, but our very first episode that we ever did was the host that, uh, um, Bong Joon Ho. Uh, 
Bong Joon Ho movie, yeah. And I feel like that's where he came. That's where you came up with the four bears test because you just like offhandedly said four bears would probably do the same amount of damage. He's <laughs> like, that's how I'm going to judge. I'm going to judge monsters from now on. And then you thought you thought, and I was like, I'm going to bring that back. And you thought I was joking. Yeah, no, I did that thing that I unfortunately do every once in a while, where I'll just like keep talking until something ridiculous comes out, and then I'll stand by it like it's like an actual metric that I should honor. So like in that case, I was like. In that case, I was like, this is a good movie because you could replace the monster with four bears and it would stay the same. <laughs> and the further I've gone into this show and tried to apply that metric to anything else, like the less confident I am that that's true. <laughs> this is like your guys' work for the host. This is your Bechdel test, the four bears test. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it is a bear name? Does it talk to another bear about anything other than human? <laughs> uh, um. Anyway, Khalid. Speaking of yeah. talking to people about humans, uh, would you fight or would you flirt with the monsters in question? That's a reach, man. That was a reach. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. <sighs> okay, fight or flirt. That's my uh, other segment. Uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. Would I fight or flirt a monster uh, that we're talking about? Um, so with the hypnotist one, you can't really fight it because like, if it's coming for you, it's already got you and it's like snares. And like, I don't know, like, can you flirt while hypnotized, like under the influence? If I can flirt or like if I have the wherewithal <laughs> to flirt while hypnotized, then I'm gonna flirt. Um <laughs> the the mirror one, um, I'd make like a lot of like goofy faces in the mirror. I don't know if other people do this, but like, you know, like you just like every every time you catch a reflection of yourself, like if you make a face, like I always make a face. So like I feel like especially if I didn't know that the monster was like watching me from the mirror, it would like see like the whimsy that like, I just naturally like carry around with myself and it would be like charmed by that and taken aback. And I would be accidentally flirting with it. So I'm going to choose <laughs> flirt for that one. And then for the brute, you gotta, you gotta fight the brute. I mean, there's just no talking to that guy. That thing is uh that thing's there for a fight. You know, uh, you saw, you, you saw what it did to spoons friends. Uh, <laughs> so so it's gonna be a flirt flirt fight for me um what, what about you joe flirt flirt was a flirt flirt fight yeah you said yeah yeah uh i mean i i mean yeah you're always on point with them like i can't really ever disagree with you <laughs> do you but ever I do... predict like what i'm going to say in those situations no but you convince <laughs> me you always convince me um, I would say that the one I most want to flirt is, um, the echo just because I, you know, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things going on there. Just knowing, knowing like the contortionism that goes into it. I feel like there'd be a lot of interesting things if we developed some sort of relationship down the road. So, I mean, I, that's, that's the most flirtable for me, but so, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I don't, they, they, the main characters fought the hypnotist. So I kind of think I could fight it. <laughs> they only fought the hypnotist with like Carrie's help though. Like if it was well, just yeah. them, they're screwed. Like I'm assuming I don't have a metal armed, like battle warrior with me. Fair, fair, fair. So I don't know. Maybe if that's the case, if I don't have the battle warrior, then flirt. Yeah. If I yeah, have I'm the battle you. metal arm battle warrior at all, ever, it's always fight. That's just a given. Like true, you, true. You just got to like, give them like words of encouragement as they do their thing. <laughs> that arm was the arm was sweet yeah the arm was sick i we i yeah. can't believe we didn't talk about it more but yeah the blade arm that's always i, lo I love a good uh weapon appendage yes yeah 
Uh, Felicia, how, how, how about you? Fight or flirt? Um, I think with the hypnotist, I would flirt because it seems like just it seems like the path of least resistance. Like, feels like the hypnotist in some ways maybe wants to be flirted with. <laughs> like, if you think about it, like he kind of just seemed like he wanted a friend. Um, so I learning really, hypnotism feels like a pickup artist move. You know? Yeah. Like, exactly. He's yeah. out there alone in the woods. Like, I'm sure he could use some company. And you know, if we can come to some sort of agreement, I would not be opposed to flirting with the hypnotist. So I would flirt with the hypnotist. <laughs> I would I would fight the echo because um I just feel like also I don't know why, but she seems like the most easy to escape in some ways. Like if you just stare at yourself in the mirror, which I'm doing pretty much like 70% of the time of my like in my life anyways, <laughs> like wouldn't be that hard. Um so I could fight <laughs> I could fight that pretty easily. And then um the brute probably just I mean, there's no way I, I'm, you know, there's, I just don't have the capacity to fight the brute. So I'll probably flirt with it too. Also, cause the brute, in my opinion, kind of hot would not be opposed. So there we go. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> it would be a flirt, oh, wow, okay. flirt situation. Wow. All right. I respect I that. I like it. <laughs> Very cool. How often do you think about fighting or flirt with the, flirting with the monsters uh, while writing them? Oh my gosh, what a good question! <laughs> I think in some like, <laughs> like I think <laughs> monsters. You know, if you're not on some level as attracted to a monster as you are terrified of it, then you're not writing it right. You know, like I feel like the the things that we're most repulsed by are the things that we maybe find some level of like um understanding or recognition with or even attraction like if you think about um the scariest well in my opinion one of the scariest scenes in the shining which is like when um jack is embracing the hot like naked chick and then she turns into like this disgusting like repulsive old um decomposing like corpse Uh, like there's it's like that sort of balance, you know, the things that are most scary are the things that you might actually be kind of like titillated by. Damn. I'm, I love that answer. Cause you took a question that I thought was dumb and made it really intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Despite your best efforts, Joe, she made a, she made a yeah. poignant answer out of it. It was, that was a great answer. <laughs> well, do, do you agree? I mean, like, let's think about, you know, the things that we're most terrified about, like, is it, in some ways, like on some level, it's the thing that you're most attracted to as well. Don't you think? I think it's a good, it's a good point because like, there's such extreme feelings. So it's like, um, I've read it. I feel like I read it. This is kind of tangential, but I read an interview, I think with, I feel like it was Danny McBride and David Gordon green about writing Halloween, about how writing scares and writing humor was similar because you're, you're looking for like a similar reaction, even though they're going in different directions. Oh, totally. And I think like with, with like attraction and fear, it's, it's a similar sense in that how, um, they're, they're both extremes of this sort of like, um, like in it, this, like, primal almost like feeling and so yeah there's got to be there's got to be like similarities that have to be shared there yeah i mean that i i didn't know that he had said that in that article but i completely agree because it's like when you think about like um 
because you know because I mentioned before I, I like horror and I like comedy and I think like it's the same thing you you always want to do something a little unexpected like both comedy and horror have that element of like surprise at the end of it which mm-hmm. one of it makes you laugh what the other one makes you you know scared and I think like um yeah when you look at it on a spectrum it's like being scared and being relieved like those are opposite ends but you kind of need one in order to like have like the other so like i think the scariest moments in horror movies are part like when you feel relief and then the scare comes um like i was just looking at this tweet uh that was like talking about the scariest one of the scariest scenes in cinema history um and they they were kind of joking but i think there's some truth to it is um in signs when you see the alien for the first time did you see this tweet yes (laughs) Yeah, I didn't see the tweet, but I didn't see the tweet. But I, I, that's like the one movie I like literally gasped out loud in, yeah. in the theater. I remember it so vividly. And it's I got so mad. scary. Yeah. What's the tweet? Well, it was just saying like th- it was just a screenshot of that, like the the uh, the alien walking across the video camera footage, and then mm. it was like this was the scariest moment in cinematic history. And then everybody was like <laughs> commenting on the bottom, like yes, like totally. And the reason it's so scary is because. Um, right before you see the alien, it's funny because Joaquin Phoenix is like looking at the footage and he's like, move children, vominos. And it's kind of like absolutely absurd, like that he would say that is kind of funny. And so for a brief moment, <laughs> you're like sitting in that and you're like laughing. And then all of a sudden the alien comes out and you're just like, holy fucking shit. And it's like, there, there's almost like no scarier, like it's the buildup of tension and the the release of like that feeling. Um but anyway, so yeah, to have that sort of like, you know, again, attraction and then fear, like they're, they're in combination working together, like that makes it scarier, in my opinion, because it's almost like you don't, we got, we you gotta, can't really trust your feelings. We got to do signs on the podcast, because I have thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are. Yeah, I suppose we should, we are getting long on this. Uh, it's going to one of the longer episodes, which is not a good conversation, but we should probably get to our final segment of the podcast. And, and Felicia, our, our final segment is uh, we just kind of go around and share something that we're reading, listening to, watching or just into that may or may have may or may not have anything to do with monsters or, or the show we talked about or anything just something we think our fans might be might dig our fans i say like we have fans but our legions um, of fans our, our denizens of them but it's a <laughs> it's a segment we call <clears throat> what the fandom and uh i'll uh, i'll let you go last felicia so you can think and okay. khalid why don't you start us off what the fandom with you uh, thank you for asking, Joe. Um, my What the Fandom this week is going to be uh, a nice little store in Highland Park, actually. Uh, it's called Big Bud Press. I was actually there a few hours ago today. Uh, they uh, they make a lot of like really cool, uh, usually like monochromatic, but then sometimes they'll have like striped stuff or floral print stuff. But it's like jumpsuits uh overalls and then they've also just got like your standard like sweats shorts and stuff like that too but uh it's a really cool uh small store out here in la but you can also find them online uh all of their clothes is made in america it's really good quality it's a little bit pricier like i would say that uh it's more of like a splurge item at least for me like if i'm gonna get something from there uh spoiler alert i got myself a little jumpsuit from there today which i'm hype about uh, but yeah, Ooh. it's uh, they 
yeah, I'm I'm very excited to to show out with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's gonna be my uh, simple what the fandom this week. Uh, check out Big Bud Press online if you're not in the LA area. If you are in the LA area, their physical store in Highland Park is really cute. A lot of cool shops and restaurants near it too. You should definitely check it out. Uh, Joe, what the fandom with you? Oh, that's pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Khalid, I uh, I will say in some redeeming faction, a redeeming factor way back to what we're talking about the Minneapolis St. Paul debate. Uh, I am moving to a, a neighborhood in St. Paul that is called Highland Park as well. So that's, that oh, makes wow. it kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you say so. Yeah. So thanks. Anyway, <laughs> my fandom is, uh, I will say, I also piggybacking of when you had a couple of episodes ago, I finally saw everywhere, uh, everything everywhere all at once. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, second to recommendation. So good. Um, but the one that I was thinking about uh, shouting out today, I just uh, today watched the finale of uh, Abbott Elementary season one, mm-hmm. and I have quickly fallen into love with that show, like right away from the, the get go. I, I like the mockumentary format for one thing. I think that's fun. But I uh, I am a teacher in, a, in an elementary school here in Minneapolis, and so I just feel like there is uh, they got so much right. I mean, there's a lot of silliness, of course, to it that's not entirely true like they're often like wandering to each other's classrooms like i can't just do that and leave the kids but there is so much stuff that they get right like i remember even just like texting my coworkers, and we'd have like a group text because we'd watch the episodes and, they, and they'd be like oh that that seems familiar that seems familiar or like like one of them where she like gets a ladder to change the light bulb i'm like that legitimately happened in our school with a, another coworker of mine got a ladder to fix something up high because it was not getting fixed, you know, oh, wow. like another teacher did that. And it was like, this, this feels real. And it's funny. And it's like refreshing to, to kind of see some of that stuff played out. And, and the cast is phenomenal. The humor is great. It's just, a, it's just a really, and it's really sweet too. Like a really, really all around wonderful show. And I'm, I'm happy that it's around and I'm uh, excited to see where it goes. So that's my recommendation. If you haven't gotten around to watching it, I think all 13 episodes are now available to watch on Hulu. I think Ooh, shout, out, shout out, shout out to Reek who uh, plays uh, the main character, Janine's boyfriend that we see in a couple episodes. I have been yep. uh, sporadically in my mind going, if somebody try to give you drugs, punch them in the face, like <laughs> at least like two, three yeah. times a week. It'll just come back in my head and I'll just start like laughing. It's so funny. It's an earworm. Yeah, it is. That's it's a, it's cool. a bop for sure. Yeah. I got to check yeah, it out. I got to check both those things out for sure. Please um, do. If you're a, if you're a jumpsuit aficionado, especially. <laughs> well, yeah. I've been thinking about it. They're, they're really, they've been, you know, coming around a lot in my friend groups and I was thinking about getting my own, but yeah, that's a great wreck. Um, I guess. How about you, Felicia? What the fandom with you? I guess for me, so I've been, um, I've actually been quarantined the last 10 days in Taiwan because I came back to visit my family, um, where like my whole extended family lives and they have like a very strict, like no leaving the house policy for the first 10 days that you're here. Um, so what I've been geeking out on a lot is I've been using this, um, streaming service called Mubi, M-U-B-I. Um, and it's, yeah, it's. Uh, it's great. Like I have so much access to like foreign cinema and art house movies and they do like this really brilliant curation where um, they show you all these, they, they sort of curate it based on uh, like different um, like film, I guess like genres, but not even about like 
it's not even like action or thriller or comedy or romantic comedy. It's more like, um, like movements in cinema history. So um, I was watching like, um, like, uh, like French new wave stuff, but also um, the cinema of realness, uh, which is like this subset of like French cinema, it's called cinema du real. And I, I saw like a bunch of like great movies uh, through that lately. And they, they just have like, they do a great like roundup of reviews and um, showcasing like really like small um, indie features as well. And as well as like, you know, filmmakers first films. So it's just a great service. And I think if you do a trial, like you can get the first um, like two months for a dollar or something. So it's just great. I think it's wonderful. Wow. Cool. I'll definitely check that out. Same. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Felicia, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been such an amazing discussion. It was really fun talking to you. Thanks for having me on. It was great to to talk with you guys. Um, yeah, I hope you have a, a very um, easy and good move and enjoy Highland Park. <laughs> um, yeah, I, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I had so much fun and it was such a blast talking to you guys about movies and, and creatures and, and horror flicks. And um, yeah, it was fun. It was great. Is there any uh, social medias or anything you want to plug or shout out or where people could find you? Um, I'm on Twitter, embarrassingly, and against my will. <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, it's my name, Felicia S. Like Shannon, H-O. Um, but I don't really tweet that much. I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I'm extremely online. And yet I try not to be, I, I try to pretend like I'm not online, but I'm, I see everything and it's horrifying. Like a fly on like, the wall kind of a thing. Yeah. It's like staring into the abyss and I, I can't look away despite everything That's, that I I'm, try to do. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of in that same boat. I respect that. Yeah. It's a good way to describe Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Joe, where can people find you, follow you? Oh yeah. Uh, Twitter most, I think I'm also Instagram letterbox, that kind of stuff. Just Joe Praska and my name. Yep. And you can find me at Khalid Hussein. Uh, I'll be like randomly putting out dumb jokes, but otherwise yeah. I'll just be doing the Felicia thing, watching everybody else put, put up dumb <laughs> jokes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you could follow, you could follow the podcast if you want at Franken pod, not an L Franken podcast, Franken pod. <laughs> Not yet. Not an Al Franken podcast yet. We're we're, we're, we're in talks with their people. Once once the money sounds right, it will absolutely pivot. TBD. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Frankenstein's podcast. Uh, please uh, get rate and review wherever you listen. And until next time, creep it easy. <laughs>